Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville show. It's great to be with you on a chilly Monday in downtown Charlottesville. Today's story is busy. Today's show, excuse me, is busy. Um, we have an op-ed written by the superintendent of Charlottesville City Schools and the Daily Progress. That was published over the weekend. We'll highlight that um, commentary from the highest-ranking uh, team member and the highest-paid team member in the Charlottesville City public school system. Chief Cotches has indicated to us that porch pirates are targeting Charlottesville and beyond. We have that for you on the Monday edition of the show. We'll talk trains, choo-choos, and trains connecting much of the Commonwealth of Virginia, including Hampton Roads, the New River Valley, and Richmond, Virginia, with additional funding and how that could impact our community. Huge proponent, yours truly. I don't want to speak for Judah, but I, I, I know him well enough to say I know Judah is as well, for alternative transportation methods. And trains offer alternative transportation methods for those of us that may not want to rely on cars or looking for different paths to get to places. We'll talk the Biotech Institute. I've highlighted this for months now, but it officially broke ground on Friday. And UVA is being straightforward. They're not beating around the bush. 2,000 new jobs, incremental jobs to the Charlottesville area, this Biotech Institute. We'll talk about... Um, thousands of additional jobs to this area and how that could impact the community on the Monday edition of the I Love Seville show. We'll talk um, Mike Brown, a Monticello High School graduate who is now a wide receivers coach at Notre Dame. Fantastic story. I know downtown Mike Brown and his family. Fantastic family. Um, Downtown Mike Brown, the Monticello High School graduate who played quarterback at Liberty, who had a uh, handful of years in the National Football League, most notably for the Jacksonville Jaguars. His parents, Mike Brown Sr. and his beautiful wife, formerly the owners of Brown's Fried Chicken on Avon, on Avon Extended. Mike Brown Sr., a realtor for Real Estate 3 in the area, will talk the Browns and their son's success on today's show. We will also have a conversation of a new professional soccer team, a new pro soccer team in the works here for the Charlottesville area. This would be the, one of the minor league systems under, underneath the MLS, but still pro soccer, semi-pro soccer, a welcome um, addition to the Charlottesville area. Judah Wickhauer is not only our director, but a key contributor to the talk show, Judah um, why don't we go to the uh, studio camera and then a two-shot with you, and let's talk uh, letters to the editor, um, an op-ed, if you may, by Superintendent Gurley to the community. And I want to invite Superintendent Gurley on the talk show. He's welcome to come anytime he wants. He is the highest paid and the top employee within Charlottesville City Public Schools. He writes a letter to the editor that highlights basically what we talked about on Friday, that he should have done more sooner. Um, I'm still of the indication, or of the inclination, I should say, of giving, giving the benefit of the doubt for wanting to see, see Charlottesville um, public schools perhaps turn the corner. Um, they have a new principal in place, a man I know well, and Kenny Leatherwood, former principal of Charlottesville High School. He's back for another rodeo as the interim, interim principal. Uh, Mr. Leatherwood is going to run the show into summer of 2024. And Superintendent Gurley in the op-ed to the Daily Progress highlights a number of um, improvements that will be made to the high school, improvements that we asked to be um, highlighted on this talk show about a week ago, specifically better security for um, secondary entrances, specifically um, uh, more accountability for students not following the directions. Superintendent Gurley highlighted that it's 14 and 15-year-olds, 14 and 15-year-olds that are causing much of the difficulty in the school, um, not necessarily upperclassmen, but lower classmen causing much of the trouble. 
And he said to give us the benefit of the doubt as we try to fix these issues, including hiring more people, including moving people from the uh, front office to the high school to um, serve as a, you know, sounding board, additional security, more eyes in the hallways in the classrooms. Where do you want to start with this story? And viewers and listeners, we'll open it up to you as we want to welcome um, many folks um, around the Commonwealth watching the show, including a large portion of our I Love Seville show viewer and listener top 25 power poll. John Blair, welcome to the program. Thank you kindly for joining us. Where do you want to start, J-Dubs? Well, I think think it is a start. Uh, It's a place to begin fixing what's not working and hopefully uh, he's heard what the parents have said hopefully he's heard what uh, the um, the substitute who wrote another op-ed to the uh, to the daily progress hopefully he heard what uh, what they had to say and you know hopefully all of this is not just you know trying to window dressing trying to give us what we what we want to hear and actually a, uh, a step towards towards fixing this, these problems. This is where I think we're going to be here. Coming out of the Christmas break, the first semester of this year at Charlottesville High School, I'll be straightforward, has been disastrous. You highlighted on Friday's show that the police department's been called to the school a handful of times just to restore law and order. He said, I believe, six six fights have required uh, required police be called. That's a lot. That's safe to say. Yeah. He also highlighted that there were a boatload of other fights that the teachers had to bring them into order. Teachers have been injured. Teachers are scared. Quality of life and morale is low. There's open positions. There's security concerns. There's a roving ban of 30 to 50 students who Superintendent Gurley has highlighted are... Uh, 14 and 15 year olds that are going all over the school creating chaos. The first semester has been disastrous. This is straightforward talk and factual talk. Coming out of the Christmas break, the holiday break, is where the rubber meets the road. You have a reset of the holidays. You come out of break into a second semester into literally a new year, figuratively and literally, 2024, that's where the rubber meets the road. Parents are expecting transparency, communication, yeah. accountability. Parents are expecting repercussions for those that break the rules. Parents are expected, expecting um, learning in a, a consistent and predictable fashion, a high school. If you want to put that first, lower, third on screen, that would be appreciated. The rubber meets the road. Mr. DL, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you kindly for joining us on Twitter. Viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts in the feed. We'll relay them live on air. We give the benefit of the doubt. Principal, Superintendent Gurley is basically saying this. Give us the benefit of the doubt right now. I made a mistake. I should have done more sooner, Gurley says. But we're fixing it and give us the benefit of the doubt. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm cool with that. I understand it's been a rough few years from the pandemic and coming out of COVID back to in-person learning. I'm cool with giving it to the benefit of the doubt of coming out of the first semester. If things don't change start of second semester, what happens Judah Wickhauer? Uh, we have to take a serious look at what's going on and, and ask some questions that... Uh, Does it start from the top? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he says uh, it's broken down very well in... Uh, in a couple places and he says we will make our communication clearer and more transparent that starts tonight and the detailed information on our website with the detailed web, uh, information on our website so that's literally what he said yep. yeah he's saying we are starting over right now i think uh they've got their work cut out for them but uh you know they've got a lot of smart people on staff and uh I think they'll make it happen. There you go. I'm excited to put this storyline behind us. 
The storyline continues to push the news cycle. You don't often see superintendents of school systems writing op-eds or letters to the editor. You don't see substitute teachers writing letters to the editor of the Daily Progress. Basically, these are columns. The Progress is, is, is calling them letters to the editor, but the Progress is short for local content, so they're basically publishing these as if they were columns in the newspaper written by a columnist. The intriguing aspect of these columns that are being written by a substitute teacher and or the superintendent is it's behind a paywall. So I'm very curious to see how many are actually reading them in the community. How many of our citizens are reading them? Regardless, you have had a story gain momentum and momentum, momentum. Police coming to, to schools, Judah said six times. Yeah. Uh, security breach mm-hmm. where an adult trespassed. That adult's been arrested. Yeah, I saw that. It was a female. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks thought it was a male that breached the security. It was a female that breached the security. A woman, yeah. A woman. An adult. Okay? You have this, the school resource officer topic, to bring them back or not to bring them back. The metal detector topic, to put them in place or to not use them. Yeah, I think those two topics are probably the, the, the big question marks in all this because I don't know that there's, any, uh, there's currently any push to, to, get, to get metal detectors. Oh, they're talking about it. I'm sure they are. School board's talking about it. Superintendent's office is talking about it. But, they straight up said we're talking about it. Yeah, but even if they're talking about it, does, that probably doesn't mean that they yet have the, um, the, the money allocated for that kind of thing. I want to put not this. something that they're just going to, they could just buy and like install at doors. I want to put this storyline behind us, but I cannot. Here's why I cannot put this storyline behind us, and I'll try to do it in timeline or chronological order. You want some chronological order for the schools? Here it goes. You start the school year with not enough buses to get kids to school. So you have to do walking buses. Kids do not get to school on time, and they don't get home on time. And there's the invention of something called a walking bus, which boggles my mind, where kids generally or literally are walking together around the city to school. They are trying to make lemons out of lemonade. That's how it started. Second part. Chapter 2. Here's chapter 2. The fights. So much that police have been called six times to restore law and order. Chapter 3. The principal resigns unexpectedly and unplanned in the middle of the year and gives 13 days notice. Chapter 4. A brouhaha so significant before Thanksgiving that police were called yet again, and an adult was let through a side door, scaring the bejeebus out of everyone. Chapter 5, a planned sick-out for the Friday before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. where they, didn't ha- they did not have enough teachers to staff the school, so they had to close it unexpectedly about an hour and change before the school day started, letting parents know there's no school because we don't have labor to staff it. Yeah. Chapter 6, the sick-out, extends into Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving, where the teachers are basically saying, we want a hard reset, we're not showing up to work. So the superintendent says, no, we're going to have school on, we're going to have school on Monday or Tuesday, and then a Saturday impromptu school board meeting behind closed doors, he says, I made a mistake, we actually are not going to have school Monday or Tuesday before Thanksgiving, I'm backtracking on what I'm saying. Chapter 7, Kenny Leatherwood, former Charlottesville High School principal named, Interim principal. Chapter 8, listening sessions at Charlottesville High School. Two of them that infuriated and aggravated parents that attended because they thought they were placated or they were treated like children, asked to meet in an auditorium or watch via Zoom for a kumbaya moment and no actual plan of attack. What chapter am I on now? Am I on chapter 9 or chapter 8? There's so many chapters to this Stella novella, I've lost count. Let's call it chapter 8. Let's call it chapter 9. We get information that a, essentially a, uh, a school security officer, or what was Renee Wright's exact title? Let me get it right. Words matter. Renee Wright. Regine Wright is her name. Hold on. Regine Wright. I'm looking her up so I get her exact title for you. A former Charlottesville police detective who briefly served 
as the coordinator for school safety and security for Charlottesville City Schools. She resigns unexpectedly after only three months on the job. She goes on Courtney Stewart's talk show and said, I quit because the high school was breaking the law in response to an alleged sexual assault and not reporting it to the proper authorities. Mm-hmm. Chapter 10 Oh, somewhere within those chapters, I missed a chapter, was a substitute teacher writing an op-ed to the Daily Progress, the local newspaper, saying when she signed up to substitute, she was not greeted by anyone, didn't have a key to get into her classroom, had a line of students waiting outside their classroom with the door was being locked, was not given the internet to access the ISP, so she could educate her kids, was not shown where the staff bathroom was and was given no instruction whatsoever on disciplining children. Basically, she was told you can substitute, show up to work, figure it out on your own. That's basically what she said. Find the bathroom on your own. Find the bathroom on your own. Figure out the internet Wi-Fi password on your own. Find a key. You basically break into your classroom door by getting a cat burglar's, uh, that little pouch that has this, the instruments that the cat burglars use in the, in the movies and Jimmy rigged the lock so you can get in the classroom. She wasn't given a key. Next chapter, Gurley writes a letter to the editor, a column basically, to the newspaper. And he's saying, we screwed up, we effed up, give us a break, we're going to fix it. We give him a break through the first semester. Second semester is where the rubber meets the road, and I hope I'm done talking about this storyline and it's business as usual at the only high school in Charlottesville because that's what we all want. That's what we all want. That's what you want. It's what I want. It's like local government. We want it to be boring in the background and predictable. What do we want from education? We want it to be boring and predictable. That's what we all want as parents. We give them to the second semester. If things don't change, then heads roll at the top. Next topic is one Judah brought to my attention. New lower third headline, if you could. Then we'll talk trains, planes, and automobiles. We'll talk the Biotech Institute, which I've been highlighting, officially breaking ground on Friday. My family watched that movie over Thanksgiving. It's a great movie. It was was a lot of fun. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's a great movie. I think I've seen Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase borderline 20 times the only, since Thanksgiving. The only thing that's rivaled uh, the Griswolds Christmas vacation at our house is Home Alone 1. How they forgot Kevin again in Home Alone 2 is absolutely befuddling. The McAllisters and Child Protective Services should have had a conversation. For the second straight Christmas, they forgot Kevin. They misplaced Kevin. They lost Kevin. They take a trip to Paris while leaving Kevin in Chicago. And then in Home Alone 2, they take a trip to Miami while allowing Kevin to board a plane to Manhattan. Child Protective Services in 2023 would have been called. Somehow in the mid-1990s, the police and CPS don't care at all. They just allow... 10-year-old boys to hang out for weeks on end in the Big Apple with daddy's credit card and a wad of cash and the Plaza Hotel with Donald Trump walking by the exit and entrance as Kevin's coming in. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Porch Pirates. Set the stage for us. Metronome, J-Dubs, Judah B. Wickhauer. I mean, anyone that's been on social media has seen videos of people's, uh, <clears throat> people's ring cams and uh, house cams catching, uh, catching thieves coming and stealing packages that, uh, that UPS and, uh, and, and United States Post Office and, and whoever else comes and bring and leaves on your, on your doorstep. Well, if you thought it couldn't happen here, it's happening here. And uh, they've, Michael Conscious is saying, if you hear about it or if it happens to you, don't just, don't just. uh, uh, Report it is what he's saying. Don't just write it off. Report it. Yeah, report it because it's probably not just happening to you. And. Somebody. There's a porch pirate's criminal whether, ring. Whether it's you or someone near you, someone probably has those people on camera. 
And when people start calling the police to let them know that something has happened, there is an increasing chance that they will be able to get a hold of some type of video footage that will help them figure out who's doing it and bring them to justice. Porch Pirates criminal ring going on. They're targeting packages on your front porch. They're targeting packages in your mailbox, targeting packages in your back porch. They're watching as UPS and as FedEx drop off packages. We'll throw in the uh, uh, United States Postal Service and they're snatching them before you can get them straight from the friendly comforts of your house, your plot, your abode, your casa. This is not good. No. We don't want porch pirates targeting our houses. We should all be vigilant and we should work accordingly to catch whoever is doing this. It is a beyond a slap in the wrist. Chief Cautious highlights the significance of it in the report that you're reading. Pass it along to the viewers and listeners. That's actually a felony. It is a felony. You're not allowed to steal other people's mail. It is a felony. That's what this is. Yeah. It's not just... It's not just taking a TV out off your front porch or uh, or a nice uh, a nice recliner. It's actual. It's an actual felony, and uh, some people might not be ordering all that much. But for those who are ordering expensive presents for their family, friends, loved ones, that could mean a heartache lot. at Christmas. And you think about yeah. this, the. I want before obviously this this is a stinker of a situation, but I want to highlight this. How archaic is the concept of dropping off hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars in packages and gifts on people's doorsteps, just leaving them outside for hours? I want to just try to unpack this with me, ladies and gentlemen. We have box trucks driving around cities in America. This city, Charlottesville, trucks marked with FedEx or UPS or United States Postal Service branding on them. Anyone that sees these trucks pull up to a house, they are very easily aware that a package is about to be taken off the truck and dropped off at the house. These packages, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, are then left unattended on the front porch or in the mailboxes or on the back door, the back porch of people's homes. The extent of the security measure is the FedEx driver or the UPS driver taking a photo of the package being dropped off on your front door. That's the extent of it. Then those packages are left unattended for hours, if not a day or longer, before the homeowner picks them up and brings them on inside where they are truly safe. I want you to understand the archaic nature of receiving packages in this capacity. This is akin to trading stocks through carrier pigeon. This is akin through utilizing Morse code for communication. This is akin to sending fax machines to communicate information. But really, what's the alternative? There's got to be something better than this. I mean, yeah, Lock I- boxes on front porches. We have in this building right here a drop point that's out of sight and is under lock and key. Why we don't have a box that has a programmable code or a code that can u- be utilized by delivery drivers to type the code in, open up a box on a front porch, and put the package in, I have no idea. I mean, that seems a little... Uh, that could get... Is the, uh, is the FedEx driver expected to... It's know? in the notes of the FedEx driver... Delivery. Okay. It's in the notes of the delivery for the FedEx or UPS guy. Leaving a package on the front porch at the time of Christmas when Chief Conscious is saying we have a porch pirates, a porch pirates ring targeting Charlottesville. This is the definition of stupidity. This is basically saying, here's the front door to my house. I'm going to leave it open and unlocked. Not only unlocked with the door closed, but the door literally open. And I'm not going to come back to my house for hours. Take whatever you want. You're putting a box dropped by a truck that clearly delivers boxes and prizes and presents. And you're saying, leave this prize and this present on my porch, and I'm not going to pick it up for hours. 
Can you think of a more archaic way of doing business in Charlottesville and, and in the world right now? What is more compare I mean, it to something that's also archaic? Thieves wouldn't even need to follow a truck around. You can just drive through neighborhoods in the late afternoon. There it is. If you're a thief, all you have to do is well, there's the UPS truck. It looks like it's going down Locust right now. Why don't Oh, it just finished on High Street? Let me go hit High Street. Then it's going to go to Locust. You can just follow the truck's route. The truck does the same route every day. Yeah, for the most part. What is this akin to from archaic form of doing business or interacting in life? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. Uh, there, because there's not really much of an option besides holding it at the, uh, the UPS Well, I just gave or... you an option. A box on the porch. Yeah, but you're saying everybody's going to literally build a what box we use in this building. Digital, what we use in this building, we got a box that the UPS guy puts packages in when he comes to drop them off, and the people who are getting packages go to the box and see if their box, their package is there. They get the notification on their phone that a package has been delivered. Type the code in. Put the package in a box, take a picture with your phone if you're a delivery guy, and leave. And if you're getting the box, you go to the box, you take it out of the box, and you take it up to your office. Okay, but no, do, are, you, are you actually suggesting that everybody build a box? You don't have to build it. They sell these. This literally is a product that you can purchase online, and it's not that expensive. Look it up. Delivery box protector. They sell them on Amazon. They sell them everyone. Delivery box for porch on Amazon. I'm literally looking at one right here. In fact, it's $60. Here it is on screen. We got this one that was $250. This is not anything crazy. What's, who's to say they won't steal the box? You know how heavy this box is? I do not. It's extremely heavy. Okay. And you know what the number one, the, you know what, what it is? It's perception management. You know what the number one uh, porch pirates, the number one uh, thing a porch pirate looks for? Opportunity. A box on a porch. You know what happens if you just take the idea of a, the visual of a box on a porch out of the equation and say, oh, I'm driving by. Wait, there's no cardboard box on the porch? I guess I'm not going to target that house. You know what one of the number one measures, one of the best measures to keep a home invasion or home robbery from happening? Lights. Lights. You know what number two is? Car in the driveway. Car in the driveway. You know what number three is? <laughs> no, I don't. You're two for two. <laughs> yeah, I know. A dog. I'm just guessing. A dog. It's not gun or having Rambo behind the door. It's having lights on, a car in the driveway, and a dog of any size. It could be a freaking chihuahua, but if it alerts the owners or, or, or pretends to alert the owners or barks so people think there are people there, yeah. it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Get a box. There's three options right here ranging from $40 to 250 I suggest this one. And put it on your porch and take the box out of sight. Some of these don't even have codes that you type in. They're just boxes that don't look like cardboard on a porch. Okay. Just a suggestion. Put the next topic in if you could put this on the uh, screen. You're going to set the stage for this one, my friend, Judah B. Wickhauer, the metronome of the talk show. Trains, planes, and automobiles. In this case, it's just trains, trains, and more trains. There we go. Um, so there is, let's see, where was it? Um, Virginia is getting close to possibly having a much better transportation system. Uh, the project would open service between Richmond and Charlottesville. Uh, it's already won a $500,000 planning grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation just last week. 
and um, <clears throat> it's among a lot more uh, a lot more major infrastructure announcements impacting Virginia, worth uh, close to two billion dollars. All right, read it, read it verbatim for the viewers and listeners what you're reading, so we can talk about it. All right, the big picture dubbed the Commonwealth Corridor. The goal is to directly connect Hampton Roads, Richmond, Charlottesville, Roanoke and the New River Valley. Currently, all of Virginia's rail lines terminate in D.C., and the only Amtrak connection between Richmond and Charlottesville is provided by bus. Uh, The idea was first proposed by rail advocates in 2018 and embraced in 2020 by state lawmakers who agreed to fund an initial feasibility study. Uh, the state estimates that once established, it would take about an hour and a half to travel between Richmond and Charlottesville by train. So, uh, I think this is a great deal. Does it have an impact? Does it actually have an impact? Juan Sarmiento watching the program. Juan is top 25 in the viewer and listener power poll. He's ranked 25 in the power poll. Juan Sarmiento said, we bought expensive paintings when when we were on our last cruise. They were supposed to be delivered to, ho- to our home where a signature was needed for delivery. Both the FedEx driver, uh, both parties, including the FedEx driver, just left them by our garage without signature, and that didn't fly well with him. Vanessa Parkhill watching the program. Vanessa Parkhill is number six in the top 25 viewer and listener power poll. And she says that sees a new business model opportunity. If you work from home, you, should get, you could get paid a small fee to receive your package so it does not sit outside. You're basically a drop-off point for a neighborhood. I like a it. custodian or a babysitter for packages, if you may. I work from home, drop them off at my house, go to... Big Steve's house, use Big Steve's address because Big Steve works in his tidy whities and his robe nine hours a day, five days a week. Have Big Steve and his tidy whities in his robe sign for your package and then pick up the package from Big Steve at the end of the day when you get off the clock. Yes, you're going to have to see him in his tidy whities and his robe, but that's worth it so your porch pirates don't target your house. Deep Throat watching the program. He was number one in the top 25 power poll. He says he loves that Mike Cautious is taking piracy seriously. He wonders if the Commonwealth Attorney's Office will pursue charges um, and and call this a felony or ask for a lesser punishment. Deep Throat says in much of Charlottesville, porch piracy is hard. You will need a a car because the city is not walkable. The car has plates. People have cameras. You will get caught. And most of the boxes have stuff that probably is fairly unattractive to fence. How often do you win the laptop lottery? In more dense cities, you can do porch piracy on foot and disappear into the city. Amazon has a program where you can give them the ability to open and close your garage door Hmm. using certain smart garage door opener systems. Overall, given the priorities of law enforcement and the practicalities, mass retail theft is better uh, risk-reward. Suzanne Daly says, Big Steve and his tidy whities. I'm peeing, I'm peeing right now. You don't want to see Big Steve and his tidy whities in his robe. He's got a coffee stain on his robe here from dribbling coffee down his chin and his stain his, his, his robe. And he's doing Zoom calls without the background on so he can stay in this gear. Jason Howard watching on Ryo Road. Is Jason Howard in the top 25? Because he better be. Oh my goodness gracious, I'm not seeing Jason Howard in our viewer and listener top 25 right now. That is a tra- travesty. Who put this list together, Judah? Who put this ranking together? I don't know. I keep getting e- email after email after email after email about this thing. I don't know. Jason Howard, King of Rio World, you're now 26 in the viewer and listener top 26 power poll. He says, I believe I read the article about the train service expansions in Virginia. In addition to what you are talking about, I read that service between Charlottesville and D.C. would expand from three days a week to daily service, Judah. Hmm. He also says, will the expansion of service to RVA be frequent and quick enough for people to commute by train to the city or vice versa? And therein lies the rub, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the great question. Therein lies the rub. If it's just a, yeah, if you can't if you can't use it for work, it becomes far less useful. Bingo. There it is. Is this like my brother-in-law hopping a subway from, oh, I should know where he is in Connecticut. Is it Norwalk? 
I think it's Norwalk. Is this like someone being able to commute into Manhattan on a train that's 15, comes every 15 or 20 minutes, and you can plan your schedule around it? You see this around New Jersey and Connecticut. Folks commuting into Long Island, commuting into Manhattan. Folks on Long Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, taking the train to work. They can plan where they live. They can plan their schedule, their departure time, and their arrival time around a train schedule. Or is this going to be easy breezy, Sunday easy? What's the saying? Easy breezy, lemon squeezy. I think Big Steve likes lemon squeezing. If it's only for leisure, what's the value it provides? Not much, I wouldn't think. There you go. If it's frequent and often and reliable, it provides value for actual nine-to-fivers or business professionals. If this is geared strictly to the tourist or the weekend goer, what is the value proposition? Because the tourist or the weekend grower, especially someone like our family who has kids, is probably not going to take the train. Right. We have kids. Kids are a pain in the, what do you call it, the tukus? Yeah, tukus. Kids are a pain in the tukus. You're not going to take the train with them until their teenage years or older, where they can sit in a seat and be civilized human beings. Well, because if you're going to Richmond for the weekend, do you really just want to walk around everywhere? There it is. And but if, if you're, you're going gonna, to Richmond Monday through Friday and you have a set destination, you don't care. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get a ride from the train station to, your, to where you need to go and back to the train station and head back at the end of the day, it seems ideal. Deep Throat, number one in the top 25 power pole. New York City Metro North trains run with 10 to 20-minute headway during the rush hours, or at least they did pre-COVID. Doubt that is happening in Charlottesville and Richmond. Yeah, I kind of doubt that too, but... I'm not throwing shade on trains. I love trains. I love trains. I'm a huge proponent of the gondola system around here to get transportation, traffic off the roads. Have you been on Pantops or 29 North during rush hour? Ivy Road by the Boar's Head or Moe's Barbecue or Ivy Square Shopping Center during rush hour? It is brutal McBrutalstein. I want to get the traffic off the roads, but let's call a spade a spade. If the, tra- if the trains aren't consistent and frequent, the impact it's going to have is not great. Right. Still respect the story that you shared, Judah. Next topic. Let's put it on screen. Paul Manning Biotech Institute. It's official. It broke around on, broke around on Friday. Bob Yarborough, I'll get to your comments. Bob Yarborough is now on the power poll. Bob Yarborough, you're a top 27, the king of Redfields. Bob Yarborough, and the top 27 viewer and listener power poll, Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H. Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H. I got your name in at 27, Bob Yarborough, key contributor to the family, the king of Redfields. For work commutes, a light rail system might work better, similar to the one they have in Denver. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Bingo. I would bet you there's a lot of people that are commuting in this little area, Hampton Roads, Richmond, Charlottesville, and the Roanoke and New River Valleys, the Commonwealth. Hampton Roads, Richmond, Charlottesville, and the New River Roanoke Valleys. And if they can get frequency and consistency with the trains, that will provide value proposition and will be better for the environment and will alleviate traffic and can improve quality of life. But if it's not frequent and consistent, it's going to be useless. Yeah. It will be an attraction as opposed to a utility. Right. UVA is straight up telling us you're going to have 2,000 minimum new jobs to the area because of this school, the biotech school. They broke ground on Friday. I've been singing this song for a year. Since Paul Manning announced a $100 million donation to UVA to fund a biotech school, I've been utilizing this platform to say thousands of jobs are coming to this area for a year. And now in a press release, in a story written by Josh Barney for news.virginia.edu, interesting sidebar, when I was a staff writer for the Daily Progress, my first job out of UVA was as a stringer 
part-time reporter for the Daily Progress. I then parlayed that stringer position into a staff writer position, and then that staff writer position I parlayed into an editor position. While working at the Daily Progress, Josh Barney was there. He finished his career as the city editor for the Daily Progress, and I believe was the interim managing editor of the Daily Progress at one time, now a uh, PR contact for the University of Virginia. Josh Barney was one of the best editors I had the privilege of working alongside. He was knowledgeable. He was a fantastic editor. He understood the concept of editing a story on deadline where he didn't get too much in the weeds, but he made the copy flow better. He was a true professional. He writes this release. It was published this past Friday on the Paul Manning Biotech Institute. You had Paul Manning there, of course, $100 million from he and his wife. You had UVA Health CEO Dr. Craig Kent. You had Jim Ryan there. UVA rector Robert Hardy was there. Glenn Youngkin was there. Friend of the program, Lloyd Snook was there. Just saw him walk down the hall. You had the heaviest of heavy hitters there. And buried deep into this story, they talk about the 350,000 square foot facility at Fontaine Research Park. They talk about the $100 million donation from philanthropist Paul and Diane Manning. I love the Mannings, what they're doing here. They talk about Glenn Youngkin being there, Ryan being there. They talk in this article about uh, the uh, Youngkin announced that he will ask the General Assembly to invest an additional $50 million into the Institute on top of the $50 million the state has already committed. You're up to $200 million right now, guys. You talk Paul Manning, the Chief Executive Officer of PBM Capital, PBM Capital, a healthcare-focused investment firm. They got all this fantastic content in this story that Josh put together. But at the bottom of the story, you see one of the key little factoids. And you're talking 2,000 new jobs coming to the area. And we're talking six-figure salaries for these new jobs. And they're talking that this impact will be felt in the region no later than 2026. Officials expect to have new construction completed and the facility open and occupied by 2026. So in two and a half years, in two and a half years, and it's going to happen before that, the new jobs that are coming, you'll have 2,000 additional six-figure jobs in the area. If we're not seeing the writing on the wall that the housing market is going to get throttled and values are going to uptick even more and demand is going to go through the roof, then you're not reading the tea leaves correctly. You're not reading the tea leaves correctly. And this is not the only driver of incremental jobs and six-figure salaries to the area. I've, on this platform, highlighted this for years now. I've said on this platform I expect the population to increase in this area five to 8,000 people within five years, and I stand by that statement. Where are five to 8,000 people going to live? Better yet, who are the five to 8,000 people going to squeeze out that are current residents? That's what's going to happen. Yeah. You're talking to five to, five to 8,000 current residents gentrified out of the community. Northrop Grumman, couple, hill, couple hundred million in Waynesboro, average salary 94G. They're not living in Waynesboro. Data science, UVA expanded enrollment, and how about a cool 11 billion from Amazon and Louisa? They're not living in Louisa. I've been here 23 years in this community, and I have never seen the housing ecosystem this throttled. Ever in 23 years of being here. Mm -hmm. It is beyond throttled. We're talking like the drain and Judas sink when it goes to shave that beard and all his whiskers get washed down his bathroom sink and it just floods to the top because those cherry red whiskers on his face, I would say it's cherry red. Why? You don't think cherry red? Are you concerned about the gray on the sides over there? Are you using just for men? No. Do you use just for men? No, I love the different color. I colors. think the gray looks great. I love the different colors. It used yeah. to be, uh, I mean, if you if you take a close look, there's like there's red and brown and blonde yeah. in there. That's it's, character. Yeah, sure. Does your bathroom sink get clogged with those whiskers when you shave? Are you having to use some uh, get no. the bat the, the the hanger and shove it down there to pull them out? No, 
I've never had a problem like You've that. never had a drainage issue? Come on. You've had a drainage issue. No. Never had a drainage issue once? Not like, uh, not like we did when I was living with my parents and my sisters would get their long, okay, whoa, long whoa, hair. Long, whoa, whoa. Where are you going with that? Nothing to do with beards. They're long hair. Okay. <laughs> wasn't alluding to beard. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. This is a PG-13 show. Alrighty then. It's PG-13. They're straight up saying it now. And it's important for us to highlight so you can have the conversation. Next headline, if you could put it on screen, then viewers and listeners, we're going to open it up to your comments here on the talk show. Deep Throat says, number one in the family, he says, I'm looking at the map. The train line does run near Richmond Airport. And he would definitely ride the train to the plane if there was service a couple times a day. Train to the plane, I like that. That's some branding right there. Take the train to the plane. Or take the plane to the train. Just don't bring the cane on the train to get to the plane. Unless you're insane. <laughs> that was good. Well done. I like when you do stuff like that. Unless you're Trey Barham watching on LinkedIn. My prime driver has my garage code. Opens, drops, nice. closes, uh, and puts the package inside completely secure. That's what I'm talking about. Trey, are you tipping your, nice. your prime driver that? That's what I'm talking about. Are you tipping your prime delivery driver for this service? Comma. Or is it expected? John Blair says, Jerry, leaving packages on the porch is akin to Fred Flintstone locking the doors to his car. <laughs> That's good. John Blair, where's he ranking our power pole? I got the power pole right in front of him. John Blair is number two in the top 27 viewer and listener power pole right now. Hilarious. There it is. It's Christmas time. Let's leave our iPhones and our MacBooks and our iPads and our smartphones and our children's bicycles and our children's tablets and our televisions that we ordered on Amazon or whatever e-commerce platform we shop on and let's let them stay on the front porch of our house or next to our mailbox for hours unattended and just hope that mankind will abide by the golden rule and not steal from us. Neil Williamson says, beard talk with JW. Neil, when you grow that beard, does your drain and your bathroom sink get clogged? And Neil needs to be in the power pole. Neil Williamson, number 28 in the top 28. Viewer and listen, power pole here on the I Love Seville show. The king of content, Neil Williamson. Who's got the best beard in Charlottesville, do you think? Bob Yarbrough's got a damn good beard. I was talking to a guy at the grocery store the other day who had a pretty, pretty uh, impressive beard. Named, his name was Marlon. Oh, man, we got to put Marlon from the grocery store in the best beard game in Charlottesville. Tell uh, me about Marlon. Uh, he doesn't work at the grocery store. He's just a... Uh, he's a patron? I think I've seen him around uh, downtown before. And, uh, Judah, Judah won't have conversations with me in, the, me in the studio, and he won't conversate with the guests that are walking in for other shows. But Marlon with what the beard game, about? he's going to chitter-chatter Marlon's ear off. I'm just giving you a hard time. What do you do? Does Marlon condition his beard? Curtis Shaver's got a great beard, too. Does Marlon condition his beard? You know, I forgot to ask him that question. Well, can you tell? Was it soft and fluffy, or was it coarse and rough? Uh, it looked a little wiry, but uh, wiry. I, I wasn't getting my uh, wasn't getting my hands in his in his beard. It's a little too personal. Uh, wiry, not just for physical uh, attribute and, and an adjective for physical it physique. Was, it was a it was a beard. I don't think I don't remember him having a mustache at all, and it was bushy and white. Oh, Probably a bushy about, and white uh, beard, two or three inches long, with I, no mustache. I'd say, yeah. Jason Howard leaves this comment. Jason Howard, number twenty six, and the viewer and listener uh, power poll. He says, if service was frequent enough for daily commute between Charlottesville and Culpeper, that could open up all that housing stock to Charlottesville workers. Take some pressure off Charlottesville now, Marl. That's a great comment. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and I'll highlight what Jason Howard's saying. You want to talk housing affordability? Transportation and housing affordability go hand in hand. 
Yeah. Because if people are forced to go to Buckingham or Nelson County to buy houses in the sub $300,000 range and then are expected to drive in their vehicles one hour to the epicenter of employment, Charlottesville, and one hour home from the epicenter of employment back to their house, the affordability from buying a house under $300,000 in Buckingham and Nelson and Waynesboro, Augusta County will be eviscerated, evaporated, eroded. You can't call affordability in Buckingham and Waynesboro and Augusta if you have to drive an hour every day to Charlottesville because all the money you saved on house is going to go away from wear and tear and gasoline. Yeah. That's not affordable. Key to housing affordability, number one key to housing affordability, it's not upzoning. It's not lower interest rates. It's not building new construction, additional homes. It's not rent control. It's not limiting red tape. It's not government getting involved. It's transportation and making it ubiquitous, approachable, and reliable. That's the first key to creating housing affordability. And right now, do we have affordable, do we have ubiquitous and approachable transportation in the area? Would you say we do? Uh, nah, dog. Never had to use it, so. Um, oh. All right. What's the most ubiquitous and approachable transportation in the Charlottesville area right now? What would you call it? The most ubiquitous and approachable? Yeah. And affordable transportation and reliable transportation in this area right now. I have a clear-cut answer to this. I'm curious of what your take is. The cat bus? I don't think it's that. Okay. I think it's the scooters and bikes that you could rent by the minute or by the mile that are all over the city. You see one, you take your phone out, you unlock it, you get on it, and you go a place. That's fair. Nothing is more ubiquitous, approachable, or reliable than those scooters and bikes that are laying, that are, that are left in dangerous, precarious areas and, and, and lacking pleasing to the eye areas around Charlottesville. You're but sure they about, get people to and from places. You sure about reliable, though? What's not reliable about them? You see one, you get on it, and you go. What if you don't see one? It shows you on the map, on your app, where they're located. Does it? Yeah. Okay, cool. You just bust out your app and be like, oh, there's one right there. Let me head over there. I didn't even know there was an app. Yeah, there's an app. There's an app for that. What's that saying from? There's an app for that? I don't know. It sounds vaguely familiar. All right, two items out of the uh, sports notebook. Mike Brown is a Monticello graduate. He's been named the wide receivers coach at Notre Dame. This is a local guy that graduated from Monticello High School that is now a wide receivers coach at Notre Dame. He played high school football for Brodbeck now at Monticello High School, high school basketball for Kareem Martin at Monticello High School, and he played baseball for um, Mark Mason, Pete O'Malley at Monticello High School. He was a three-sport star, Someone can, I, I made a legitimate argument multiple times that his best sport with the most professional upside was baseball and not football, but he loved football. He took the Mustangs deep in the postseason as a quarterback. He went to Liberty where he was a star quarterback at Liberty for Danny Rocco, signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, had 35, 36 catches and a couple of touchdowns in his NFL career. Short career, but he still made it to the big leagues and earned money playing pro football. Then he started an assistant coaching career, first at Michigan, where he was essentially a grad assistant. Then he went to Delaware. He went to Liberty. He went to Cincinnati. And now he's at Notre Dame. Downtown Mike Brown is a success story. His parents, the former owners of Brown's Fried Chicken on Avon, they sold that business and that real estate for a nice payday. A nice payday. He used to love Brown's Fried Chicken on Avon, where you can get $10 of gasoline on Avon and walk away with a free piece of fried chicken. Did you ever do that? Uh, I never did. You never did? No. Go to Avon? I don't think they offer it anymore. Get 10 bucks of gas, and next thing you go, you're leaving with a nice fried chicken breast. I'd eat the fried chicken breast in the car while getting my gasoline. Ugh. What? You really want a greasy steering wheel? A greasy steering wheel? You get a napkin. A napkin for a, uh, okay. 
the problem you have with the free fried chicken with ten dollars of gas I didn't is the say greasy I steering wheel? No, I didn't say I had a problem with it. Well, I you have, said ugh. Yeah, because you're talking about eating it right there in your car while the, your gas is pumping. And, well, it's uh, piping hot. You want to eat it? Okay. I think you would have loved it. You love fried chicken, don't you? I do love a good fried chicken. Bob Yarborough says beard oil is a necessity. Juan Sarmiento says, where I've are these poll results? Oil. That's a great tip from the viewers and listeners. What? We need to publish the top, the power <clears throat> poll of viewers and listeners on ilovesevil.com. Thank you, Juan Sarmiento, for making the show better. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take the viewer and listener power poll, and we're going to publish it with names and a bio picture next to their name and their ranking. Unfortunately, no, Deep Throat, what, what do we use for your photo, Deep Throat? You're number one in the power poll. You're, you have anonymity. What do we use for your photo and the power poll next to your, your moniker, Deep Throat? Any suggestions, Judah? Uh, picture of a guy with a trench coat and a fedora. <laughs> like on the uh, incognito... Uh, browser okay there we go that's the best suggestion we got so far i'm open-minded to any ideas he says alfred e newman headshot <laughs> why is that know, funny you guys are smarter than me do you know you don't know who that is tell me who that is come on oh from mad magazine okay we can use that can we use that do we have the copyrights to use that were you a Mad Magazine guy? Yeah, for a while. When I was younger, when I was living in California. You like Mad Magazine? It was, yeah, it was fun. I remember the, like the, uh, the all Star Wars Mad Magazine specials and uh, things like that. They were, uh, they had Neil Williamson funny says, jokes. Neil Williamson says for Deep Throat, we need to use Smoking Man from X-Files for Deep there Throat. There you go. That's another good one. Neil Williamson, that's a good one. Neil Williamson is in the power poll. Neil Williamson's name is going to be there with the moniker King of Content as well and a link to the Free Enterprise Forum. I'm responding, that's legit. All right, last item out of the notebook before we get to your comments, viewers and listeners. Um, there's a, a semi-pro soccer team coming to the area. My wife sent me this news. It's the Charlottesville Blues. This is a few tiers below MLS. They're going to play soccer at St. Anne's Belfield. So it's essentially the minor leagues of MLS. And a minor league team will be here in Charlottesville. Their first matches in May of 2024. I say I'm all for it. Sports getting our youth focused and involved in sports with teams to cheer for and away from screens and smartphones and tablets, I'm all for. I'm a huge team sport proponent. I think we learn lessons in life from sports that we don't in other vicinities or realms. Getting our kids involved in sports, whether it's squash or football or basketball or baseball or soccer, pickleball, tennis, whatever the hell it is, getting our kids off screens and competing with other kids is a good thing. Screens are no bueno, chico. And I'm saying this while hosting a, a talk show on a screen. Vanessa Parkhill has a comment for Deep Throat. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville, and Vanessa Parkhill is in our power poll. She checks in at number six. She says, Deep Throat should get to provide an avatar for his profile. Vanessa Parkhill also says, I'll bet Deep Throat's son, High Voice, could come up with something clever so you don't need to worry about copyrights. I have no doubt. Deep Throat, your son, High Voice, is getting props on one of the 15 Facebook pages this show is on. Vanessa Parkle says, let High Voice come up with something clever for Deep Throat's profile picture. And she says, Most, more sports everywhere for everyone. I love this. I love the communication with the viewers and listeners on various social media pages. James Watson. James Watson's a key contributor to this family. James Watson is number five on the power poll. And James Watson says, I used to commute to D.C. for work, and the local train was not ideal. Now most people doing that work are working remotely. So as much as I love the idea of a commuter rail, I can't see a five-day-a-week demand for commuters here anymore. Bingo. That's exactly what I think. Exactly what I think. I think I, unless the train is more frequent or reliable and it comes at a more affordable price, 
I don't see this having an impact. I just don't see it. And have you tried taking a train with babies or five-year-olds or a one-year-old? I don't think I've ever taken a train anywhere. My wife and I took the train from Charlottesville to Grand Central in Manhattan, and it was awesome. Now, it took way longer than what would have taken for us driving, but I had a couple of beers at the car, at the bar car. She watched a movie or two on her tablet. I was talking to strangers, including Marlon from the grocery store. What was his name? Uh, it was Marlon. Marlon, the wiry bearded man from the grocery store, and Big Steve in his beard and his tidy whities We were chatting it up in the bar car while my wife had her earbuds in and was watching... Uh, what was she watching? She was probably watching, like, Bones. She loves the show Bones. Loves watching Bones. And it was great. But I wouldn't do it with kids. Mm. Unless you had a sleeper car. And that ain't cheap. Why would you do it with kids? Why wouldn't I? You'd rather, you'd rather have them in a car with you? A sleeper car, at least you can confine them into the room so the people around aren't impacted by their lunacy. Love my kids, but they're lunatics. John Blair, you're 100% correct, Jerry. Land use without transportation solutions is like a five easy pieces without the bacon. God, that's one of the best comments John has made. One of the best comments you have made. Five easy pieces from Little John's without the bacon. That's fantastic, John. Little John's is coming back. I got the message from their Instagram account that they're coming back next year. Wow. I think Stefan Friedman is behind Little John's coming back. All right, I got a 2 o'clock. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller, The I Love Seville Show. We are back tomorrow at 10.15 with The Jerry and Jerry Show. So long, everybody.